Uh, welcome. Yeah, welcome back to the Being Challenge. Uh, I uh, had big plans for today. I was going to come out and go for a bit of a bushwalk and find a nice sunny spot to do this, but uh, here I am sitting, sitting in the car because it's raining. Maybe you can tell that on screen, but uh, yeah, so I decided, you know what, it doesn't really make that much difference, I can just do it from in the car, sometimes plans don't go as planned and that's okay, but I'm, well, I'm out at Hens Dam, and uh, I was hoping to be outside, like I say, but uh, that didn't work out, and that's okay, but we're working on um, five keystone habits that are going to help us grow in our relationship with God, and Many Christians, including myself, you know, we start out with great plans, kind of like I started out today thinking I was going to get to go for a sunny bush walk, and then I get out here and it's it's raining. Um, but we start out our walk as Christians with great intentions, and initially, you know, we flourish in our relationship with God, and of course, we always have ups and downs along the way. That goes without saying, but um, sometimes we can find ourselves floundering in that relationship and feel like we could be doing so much better than we are. And after that initial, oh, I guess, boost of newness wears off, that's where the power of habit really starts to show its true value. That you know, And that's what we've been working on for a few weeks now. And so we're in the middle of spending 40 days looking at how Jesus connected with his Heavenly Father and the habits that he had that we can implement in our lives as well. And there's some things that happen, you know, that we don't have control over in our life. Obviously, I come out here and it's raining and I don't have any control over that. Um, you know, there are things we don't have control over, but many things, uh, maybe even most things that come into our lives, uh, we give them permission to be there. And there's so much going on in our lives that it's easy to say yes to a lot of things that are okay and not make room for the biggest and best things because we're too busy saying yes to a bunch of smaller things that are okay. And then we gradually miss out on what's best and we kind of get used to that. And that's what happens in our relationship with God. We say yes to a lot of you know small things and we end up missing out on what's best. And how many times you have you said something like, I know I do this all the time, have you said something like, oh, I'll go do this, it'll only take a minute or a few minutes, I can do that later. And then you never get around to doing whatever the lap later was. Um, or you pick up your phone and you start scrolling through it. And, you know, the next thing you know, a bunch of time's gone by and, you know, it's just empty time on your phone and you're left feeling kind of empty like you wasted your time. But I know we all, you know, go through that at some point. Look at that. I just spilled water all over myself, and that's cool. We've... Anyway, um, it's not very nice to feel like you've wasted your time. And like everything else, curiosity leads me to research these things. And the research I read says that uh, Aussies spend about five and a half hours a day on their phone. And that's an average. It increases with younger people, and it decreases with older people and you know we have to be fair in our thinking about that not all of that um, time on your phone is wasted time obviously some of it is time well spent 
but it is thought provoking to think that on average people spend five and a half hours a day on their phone. And it makes me think, you know, how much of that time is actually well spent? Well, I'll leave that up to you to decide, but anywhere from three to eight hours a day, eight hours is like the most someone spends on their phone and the three hours is, is about the least. But anyway, you look at it, that's a lot of screen time. And to kind of contextualize that, think about it this way with uh, average phone time, considering the uh, you know age of the kid, when a kid first gets a phone, people are spending about an average of 17 years on their phone. Now imagine someone handing you a mobile phone and telling you, okay, I want you to stare at this screen for the next 17 years. That would sound crazy, but that's kind of what we end up doing. We spend about 26 years sleeping. We spend three and a half years eating. We spend uh, four years driving and plus whatever else. And that all that time really adds up and it can be a little overwhelming when you dwell on it. And it makes me think like, wow, life is really short. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 29, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we're learning from Jesus how we can form keystone habits that overflow into other areas of life and grow our relationship with God and make good use of the time we had. And so far we've talked about community, we've talked about studying scripture, and we've talked about prioritizing prayer. And with so much time slipping away, it's easy to allow things that are just, you know, okay. They might be good, they're okay. But it's easy to allow those things to eat away at the time we could be spending with what is best. And today we're talking about the keystone habit uh, that's probably foreign to a lot of us. And for me personally, I know it's one of my favorites. I, I really enjoy it, but um, it's one that we see Jesus practice in the Bible. So our first, fourth keystone habit is the practice of seeking solitude. You know, community is important. It does matter. Some of us enjoy that more than others. It's kind of like uh, when we were you know going into lockdown, some of, actually, some of us actually enjoy lockdown. For others, it's a real struggle. It just depends on your personality. I tend to be a person who really enjoys solitude. Um, I like being by myself. I like sitting here in the car and listening to the rain um, by myself. But Jesus had a perfect balance between being around a lot of people and also creating time and space for solitude. And when we're talking about solitude, what we're talking about is time that's spent with just you and God between the two of you. And if people are spending an average of 17 years on their phone, uh, a lot of that's on social media, and that isn't really community or solitude. That's not one or the other. And how many of you are listening to this, but you're also constantly being distracted by something else while you listen, or you're doing something else while you're listening? Maybe you're on your phone, or you're looking at emails, or you're scrolling through social media, or whatever you might be doing. But how often do you take time away from distractions and seek solitude? For some of us, the, the answer to that question is probably never. And I understand you're busy. You know, if, if you've got kids, you've got responsibilities, you've got work, you've got, you know, 
you got a life for sure. But I hope that today I can encourage you to take some time and make some space in your life for solitude, time you spend with just yourself and just God. In Mark chapter 1, a lot happens in that chapter in the Bible. Jesus is baptized. He begins his ministry, starts preaching and calling disciples. And he teaches in the synagogue and deals with someone who's demon-possessed. And he goes to Peter's house, Peter's house and he heals his mother-in-law. And people just keep coming to Jesus and asking to be healed. And he's, you know, all kinds of people want his attention. And can you imagine if Jesus had a mobile phone? He'd have shut it off or, or he would have never been able to do anything except uh, answer texts and calls. Then the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, In the morning, rising up a great while before sunrise, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now, Jesus went away from everyone to a place of solitude and prayer. And Jesus is God in the flesh, but at the same time, he obviously limited himself to be like us. And he knows that for us to function well spiritually, we have to work from an overflow, not a deficit. Obviously, solitude and prayer go together like a lock and key. And there are many times we read about where Jesus sought solitude. Uh, in the New Testament or in the Gospels. And it's also very likely that there were many times that Jesus sought solitude that we didn't read about. And there's all kinds of things that Jesus did that didn't get recorded in the Gospels. But he'd do so before big decisions, before big events, um, sometimes even the middle of his work, and sometimes to recharge. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness uh, before he began his ministry. Uh, he went off by himself to pray before he went to the cross. And there are three main truths, I think, that we can learn from Jesus seeking solitude. And one of those is that solitude is not just about being alone. It's not by being your, about being by yourself. It's about being alone with God. And there's a lot of talk about self-care today and taking time for yourself and things like that. Um, and I've actually taught classes on that. I mean, it's, that's a very valid thing. You do need time to recharge and, and you know, rest and things like that. But be, just being alone isn't what we're talking about in this case. Um, matter of fact, just being alone, at least long term, may not be very good for you. That kind of solitude is something that is used to punish criminals, like solitary confinement. And obviously that's not what we mean when we're talking about solitude. <clears throat> but in Minneapolis, Minnesota, there's a, a place there called Orfield Laboratory, which has the world record for the world's quietest room. Companies often use this room to try to get a, an accurate decibel reading on uh, products. And it's so quiet in this room that you can hear your own heartbeat and you can hear your blood flow. And when people go into this room, they never want to stay for more than, than a few minutes at a time because it's so quiet that it's uncomfortable. And I read that the longest anyone's ever stayed in that room uh, is 45 minutes. And we do have a difficult time uh, being quiet and still. In the 1600s, you know, and the world was probably a lot quieter then than it is now, Blaise Pascal said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, 
I don't know if that's completely true, but uh, we do have a difficult time just sitting and being still. And we've, I think part of the reason for that is because we've been, for some reason, we've been led to believe that busyness somehow equates to worth. And that's just not true. Um, I think we see our worth when we spend time with the one who determines it. And as human beings, we tend to we tend to overestimate our importance and think our actions are far more consequential than they really are. And Psalm 46 shows us the the consequence of human actions from God's perspective. And in verses 7 through 11, Psalm 46, this is what it says. It says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is a refuge. Selah. Come see the works of the Lord who makes desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts off the spear. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Now that word Selah is, um, if I'm pronouncing it right, who knows, but that word is an intentional pause. It's there on purpose. And it, it means stop and think about that when that's interjected in the Psalms. And there are a couple of things to take away from this Psalm, I think. And one is that most of what we do and most of what we say is, is not near so consequential as we might like to think. And that's not something meant to put anyone down. So don't, don't take it that way. That's not what it, is meant there at all. Verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. And the songs, Psalms, the Psalms are songs of praise written to God. And that's the context in which we should take that. They're songs of praise. And that's something meant to glorify God, not necessarily put you down. Now, we all desperately want to control everything in our life. We just do. And when we try to control everything, what we're doing really is trying to be our own little God. And I remember some time ago, I was I was very worried about something and I desperately wanted certain things to happen. I was, I was stressed and I was concerned about this thing. And um, it was a situation that I felt was worthy of a lot of stress. And I'm like, well, okay, this is worth worrying about. This is worth getting stressed about. And my wife in her wisdom said to me, you know, relax. You're not as important as you think you are. And the fact was, she was right. And it sounds funny, but when God says, be still and know that I am God, he's saying, uh, I'm God, not you. And you're not as important as you think in your, your decisions and what you say and what you do. It's not as consequential as you'd like to think. Now, you can take that as kind of an insult or you can take it for what it really is. And what that is, is recognition that God is sovereign. And also, he is relieving you of the responsibility of trying to control everything in your life all the time. God is saying, stop. Stop it. Stop trying to control everything. Stop fighting with everything. Stop and be still and know that I'm God. And when we can get our head around that and and relieve ourselves of that responsibility of trying to control everything and actually turn things over to God, it's a great relief. And it brings a lot of peace when we're able to do that. And in seeking solitude, it kind of brings us to a place where that it clarifies that in our own head, in our own mind. 
be still and know that God is God and that we are not. So why do you think it is that we don't seek solitude like we should? Um, if we're honest, it's probably because we think we don't have time. Everybody says that I'm really busy. I just don't have time. And I'm realistic. You know, I, I understand there are factors in your life that take up a lot of time. There's factors in my life that take up a lot of time. We're all busy people. But if I say I don't have time, is that really true? Or I'm just not managing my time well, or I'm not spending my time well? Or is it because I'm just trying to really control everything? Or is it because I'm spending 17 years of my life in front of the screen? And if you do say, well, I, I just don't have time, I'd, I'd push back and say, why? Why would you say that? Why do you say you don't have time? What is it really that's keeping you from seeking solitude and spending time alone with God? Is the world going to stop spinning if you take time and seek solitude with God? Something to think about because it's not. the God's the one who set the earth in motion, not you or me. And now I have a lot of experience in my life in trying to control everything in my life. And I know it's difficult to let go and I'm not denying that, but sometimes we really basically just need to recognize who God is and yeah, recognize who he is, recognize he's God. We're not what I say and do and think isn't near as consequential as I like to think it is. And God relieves me of the responsibility of trying to control everything. And of course, we work, we, we make the best decisions we can, we, we serve as well as we can, but we're not responsible to control the outcome of everything. We're just not. And I know it's hard to make time to seek solitude, and it doesn't always work out the way we might hope. Sometimes you get rained on. But if we see Jesus doing it in Scripture, and God commanding it, saying, Be still, know that I'm God, how much more incentive do we need than that, really? So, when you seek solitude, what do you do? How do you do it? Well, I think the first thing is take a moment to put things into perspective. And being out in creation, which I kind of am. I mean, I'm out. It's beautiful. It's, it's raining, and I'm in the car, but I'm still out here in a very nice place. Um, being out in creation does that for me. Um, my personal favorite hymn is This Is My Father's World. And it was a poem before it was a hymn, as, as often they were. And the words are this. It says, This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. This is my father's world, the birds their carols raise, the morning light, the lily white, declare their maker's praise. This is my father's world, he shines in all that's fair, in the rustling grass I hear him pass, he speaks to me everywhere. This is my father's world, oh let me ne'er forget, that though this, the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world, why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king, let the heavens ring, God reigns, let earth be glad. Great poem. 
perspective. Perspective. Let me never forget that God is ruler yet. And when Jesus went off by himself, he sought out places where he could shut down the noise of the world for a bit and draw near to God and listen. And James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And being able to draw near to God is something Jesus has made possible for us. He's opened the way for that to happen when he was crucified. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing what Jesus had done and bringing reconciliation between God and, and people and also symbolizing that we have access to God. And seeking solitude helps us experience that in a meaningful way. And we are well connected in the world today, and yet a lot of people still feel lonely. A lot of people feel lonely. But solitude's not being lonely. It's being with God. And when you are alone, when you do have that time, what do you do? How do you spend it? How do you spend that alone time? What do you think about? And someone once said that your religion is what you do with your solitude. And I wonder what a lack of solitude would imply in light of that. It's an interesting thought. But sometimes we get so wrapped up with everything that we settle for far less than what we could have. There's always time to do all the other stuff. There really is. But we need to make time for solitude because if we don't, we're just going to get wrapped up and it'll be a I'll do it later thing. And we're going to settle for things that are good and okay, but we're going to give up what is best and most. And we need that time to fill our mind with the things of God, to clean out our mind, to you know sweep the rubbish out of the corners and all of that kind of stuff. And there are a lot of things that would very much like to take up residence in your heart and in your mind. But what that is, is up to you. It really is. What you allow to do that is up to you. We're living in a loud and distracting world. It's, yeah, it, it takes some effort to find peace and quiet. You know, I get hundreds, hundreds of notifications on my phone each week for, you know, different things. But as you think about the world we're living in and going forward, do you think that kind of thing is going to increase or decrease as we move into the future? And the fact is, you know, we could wring our hands a little bit, uh, the fact that the world is the way it is and complain about it, but um, that's not going to change anything. That's just reality. What we can do is decide what is and what is not going to be allowed into our heart and our mind by setting boundaries and seeking solitude with God. There will always be things vying for our attention. And many of them, you know, a lot of them are kind of third rate that don't have any real substance or meaning. And I want you to ask yourself, you know, what meaningless distractions are getting in the way of what is best? What's keeping me from what I could have in my relationship with God? What unimportant hurry and noise is getting in the way of being still and knowing God. What's keeping you with filling your mind from what is best? And I've got a verse here I want you to consider. It's Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. And this is uh, when I, my first year in seminary, we had to memorize Philippians chapter 4. And at the time, I didn't 
realize how significant that chapter was, but as years go by, it becomes more and more apparent why that particular chapter was one they picked for us to memorize. But Philippians 4.8 says this, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. Fill your mind with these things. Think on these things. Set your thoughts on these things, things that are good and virtuous. Seeking solitude is kind of like a reboot for your mind. Um, reboot for your heart as well. And that's something we need to do occasionally. We need an occasional reboot to, to clear out the ram in our head. And it's something that needs to be done regularly. And there's a principle in God's creation that he is, you know, it, it's it's part of the creation. And when we give him what's first and best, that overflows into other things, working out for what is best, whether it be with our finances or our time or, or whatever. When we give God what is first and best and set that aside for him, he takes care of the other things and we find that we have what we need. We find that we often have more than what we need. We're more productive and stronger and actually get more done when we seek solitude with God and set that time aside than if we had not done so. So don't don't miss out on what's best by settling for what's only just good or, or even less than good. Turn down the noise, turn down the distractions, shut off your phone, seek solitude and fill your mind with the things of God. And I know many people wish they had a better relationship with God. And it's it's not that it's not available. And God isn't right there. We're probably just not paying any attention to him or enough attention to him anyway. We're too busy settling for less and filling our mind with things that just aren't that important. And it's not that we can't listen. We're just listening to everything else. And if you want to know God, be still, because God says, be still and know that I am God. Solitude can bring focus in a loud and distracting world. Well, that's all I've got for you today, and I hope you know that um, that's meaningful for you. And I really do hope that you'll take time and, and seek solitude and make time for that, because it's important that you do. And wherever that might be for you, it might be you know on your lounge with a cup of coffee and you know for someone like me it's outside somewhere you know it might be out in the ocean surfing who knows but wherever it is seek it out and i'm going to pray for you and then we'll wrap it up for today and uh yeah hope you have a great rest of your week and let's pray our father in heaven we come to you in prayer and we're just so grateful for your love for your mercy for your grace and i just pray that we would take the time to seek you, seek solitude with you, spend time with you, and just help us shut out all the noise for a little while and be still and know that you are God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good one.